while everyone else used to get their trophy filled with champagne, we got ours filled with 25-year-old malt, which much to the much, much to the disgust of most of the players, because of course none of us drank whiskey at that time, sadly, you know. But there was one man in the Thistle Club that night that was in his element, and that was my old man. <laughs> Instead of having a sip out the cup, I think he had about 56 sips out the cup. Welcome to episode one of a new podcast series, Inverness Football Memories, hosted by Highland Football Weekly and myself, Ian Ald. A podcast celebrating the history, stories and memories of association football in the city of Inverness. And this audio series is part of a wider project between Inverness Caledonian Thistle Community Trust Clachnacudden FC and Highlife Highland, a project with the aim of gathering interviews with players, officials and supporters, as well as developing an extensive photographic archive, as well as audio like this and video content to celebrate the beginnings of football in the city of Inverness since the 1880s. You can find out more information about the project online at ambalia.org forward slash Inverness dash football dash memories or simply Google Inverness Football Memories. Let's kick off this series and welcome in a man who has played for Caledonian FC, Inverness Thistle, and not only played, but managed Inverness Caledonian Thistle. And I'm delighted to say I'm joined now by the man himself, Charlie Christie. Charlie First of all, how are you? I'm fine, Ian. Thanks very much, mate. Good, good. Charlie, uh, we're here to, to talk about uh, the history of Inverness football and, and, and sheer memories of, of football in the city. You've obviously got a, a rich history um, of an involvement with football in the city. Uh, and I'm, I'm delighted to, to have you on and, and talk about your memories because you've been in the thick of it. Uh, as I mentioned, they are representing three of the, the four senior clubs in Inverness. Uh, Charlie, let's go back to your younger days. Um, in terms of your earliest football memory, we all, I mean, you and I both love the game of football, um, and I'm, I'm assuming that the, the love affair started at a young age. What's your earliest footballing memory? Um, probably the first one was I always remember was, was my first match, actually. Um, first high league match, my brother, my elder brother, Ian, was playing for Inverness Thistle in a two-legged cup final against Clark Park. And my good friend, Danny McDonald at the time, his dad was actually a director of Clark. I think it was 1975, so I, was, I think it was just eight, nine years old. And Big Danny, as we called him then, it was Big Danny and Young Danny, um, he took me to the game. And my brother was playing, and it was great. And it, actually, the crowd was about just under 4,000 at Grant Street Park that night. And Inverness Thistle beat Clark 4-1. So it was a good night for me, and... That really started my interest, although, you know, my, my father played for Thistle in the 50s, Ian, so mm-hmm. I always had an interest from a young age. It's a bit like my own son. As soon as I was could walk, I was getting thrown a football by my dad. We were out in the garden. So it was very much a football household. And But that was the first time I was probably remember going to a game. And then thereafter, I just got the bag. And myself and seven or eight other friends used to meet up at two o'clock every Saturday and, and every second week and head to Kings Mills to watch Thistle. And I became an ardent fan in the 70s and early 80s. What was it about that that trip to Clark Park that it really kind of captured your imagination? I think the atmosphere at first, and it sounds funny because we don't often, you know, we don't talk about atmospheres when we talk about Highland League these days, but it, it, the crowds then, especially for cup finals and local derbies, were, were terrific. You know, I, I remember my father telling me he played in front of 6,500 in a cup final in the 50s, which was, you know, you would never see that nowadays in the Highland League. But... Um, as we know, that was obviously long before the merger, etc. And Scottish League was a, a sort of um, pipe dream at that time. But uh, I remember, you know, you, that was the old Clark part, of course. So you, of course, so you had the wine shed where all the Clark fans, uh, and a few were these, to be fair, were in there. Great characters and the banter was terrific. And, you know, they made a lot of noise. And and uh, I, I just remember 
you know, standing there thinking, God, this is, I really enjoyed it. This is brilliant. So, and, and I really did become a Highland League regular thereafter. And, you know, Thistle had a, a good team at that time. They weren't a top team, but they had a good side and were competing in most of the Cups. So, um, you know, my early days, um, my heroes were, were all players in, in, in red and black. And, and, and it's just a good thing. Was, the good thing was it was either five or six pals as well, as I say, we would meet um, in Hilton where we all stayed and then we'd walk to, to Kings Mills and and enjoy the games. And it was just, in, you know, the boys then at the time, your your heroes were high league players. You know, you never, you had your big team at the time. My big team was Celtic and, and Liverpool, to be honest. Um, my big teams, but my, my team I supported were Inverness Thistle. And, and I was lucky enough to go on to play for them later, later on. Inverness Thistle played a, a big part in your life. You said that your brother played for them, your, your father played for them as well. And I'm assuming though, you know, those years following Thistle still held in high regard, you know, those kind of memories, as you say, with your mates and stuff. That's you know, that's what it's all about, going to the football with your mates and and, and having a bit of crack and uh, enjoying the football at the same time. Ah, it was, absolutely. And it was it was just an integral part. There was no you didn't have to arrange it or anything. We just knew when Thistle were at home, we met. It was actually just outside my house. We used to meet um in David Drive and then and it was like a twenty minute walk to King's Mills and we would saunter along, get there at half past two and and uh, it was just great. And then, you know, we saw some great players at this sort of time, Ian Stephen and, and Billy Bremner, um, Jim Guyon, you know, and then, and then of course, David Mulroy, Titchy Blacks slightly later on. But, you know, I used to watch these guys and then I was really fortunate to, to go on and play and, and actually win the league with them in 86. But um, as you say, it was just an integral part of your life. And it was good, you know, like some of my other pals that weren't interested in football, they, they used to get into town on a Saturday and I used to think, Oh my word! I don't don't see any interest in that whatsoever, and um, so I think it's a good sort of uh, lifestyle to get into, and, and you make good loads of good friends at the football, and there's friendly banter, etc. And then we obviously got a few finals. I remember traveling in a bus. It was a fourteen. They missed the Thistle supporters bus to Elgin to watch them play uh, Bucky Thistle in a, in a cup final um, at Barra Briggs, and, and that was a, I remember that quite vividly. One of the reasons being Thistle were absolutely superb and about day one five nil. Um, Jim Guyon was was absolutely brilliant. Um, so yeah, these are the, these are the games I, I still remember. These games I'm one of these sad gits that, that remembers games, you know, and I can remember sort of things that happen in games. So it's just and and then obviously at that by that time, um, it gives you the bag to start playing. I played in Hilton Primary School from a young age, and you know I think I started playing seriously at nine ten years of age. And and football has really played a huge part of my life ever since. Yeah, you obviously mentioned that you've got that kind of footballing family background as well, and you know your dad chucking the ball at your feet, so it was always going to be um, inevitable that you would you would start playing. Um, what are your kind of earliest memories of of actually playing football? Because you mentioned your Hilton Primary School, you know, I'm assuming you will have come up against uh, sides from around the city as well. Quite a competitive little setup, was it? Yeah, the primary school football, and believe it or not, and I wish we had it now because we don't, sadly, but the primary school football was really well organised in that day. You, you think, well, every primary school in the city had a had a team, um, some very good ones, and you played them all, you played them home, played them away, usually on a Saturday morning with ridiculous kickoff times, like 9am, <laughs> and played with the old mitre mould muster that if it hit you in the leg, you'd be, have a mark for a week in your leg. So, But uh, but no, great, we, we, we were quite fortunate, Hilton, we had our headmaster, Ian Telford, Actually, he was the headmaster of the school, but took the football team. He played himself. He's from down south. He came up to this area. He played himself, and he, he put a lot into it. I was particularly lucky in, in that when I was, because I've got a March birth date, when I was in P5, I was in a composite class of P5-6. And at that time in Hilton School, you had to be in primary six or seven to play for the football team. It was a, a sort of un, unwritten rule. But because I was in a composite P5-6 class, I got to go to the trials and I think to this day, well, I don't know if they changed the rules, but I was certainly the first P5 to play in the Hilton Premier School team, which is great. And obviously I was never the tallest player on the planet and it was very challenging the first year. And I played with boys that were two, two and a half years older than me. But, uh, you know, I, I just I loved every minute of it. And, and Inverness then, you know, you had some right good players throughout all the primary schools. Um, Dal and they were particularly good at that time. I remember Crown having a very good team. So, but it was, it was terrifically well organised and, I mean, I just used to, couldn't wait for a Saturday morning in my, my school game. And be fair, my father, my dad used to come to me in every game. And of course, within two minutes, the final whistle, tell me what I'd done wrong <laughs> for the previous 90 minutes. So it was, a, it was a great sort of grounding in the game and, and just thoroughly enjoyable. 
And in terms of uh, players you would come up against, any players that would then go on to have careers of themselves in football? Yeah, well, the, the Krang, as, as I mentioned there, Mike Noble was their main man. And Mike was a fabulous player and um, he did great, you know, first ever cup to win the league at Cali Thistle. He was actually, I always believed Mike, he could have gone further in the game, but, you know, he, he was quite happy to play part-time. He had one or two injuries, actually, when he was younger, Mike, um, but he, he overcame them and he's a great servant to, to Marnes football. Um, I played against Graham Bennett, obviously I'm friendly with Graham now. Graham played with Dal Ney, he was a year older than me and you know, he was a very good player and uh, lots of boys. And then, of course, from there you step on and played for your street league team. And uh, I played for my local team, Milton Athletic, um, run by a fabulous man, he's passed away now, but Louis, Louis MacArthur. Um, and he, start, he started the team from scratch. And... And it was, a, you know, the Street League in Inverness. Then again, you had 16 teams you played. I think it was a Tuesday and a Thursday at the canal pitches. And it was just absolutely fabulous, really. You used to go down and change in the side of the pitch. You know, there's no changing rooms. You went down there. I used to cycle down from David Drive down Merlewood Bray. And you'd all meet up at 6 o'clock for a 6.30 kickoff. And um, it was it was tremendous, tremendously competitive league as well, the Street League at that time. Um, and... Loads of people giving it at their time, but Louis McCarter was a fabulous individual. You know, I know his son Ian um, quite well. Ian runs the other foot soccer school in Inverness, and yeah. um, that ran really well. And that was great. And the number of new friends you made—that was a big thing for me. And then, obviously, you then sent maybe your two or three best players, and you played for the, what was called the Inverness Street League Select, and you went along. We. You sort of had trial days, and I was lucky enough to make it a couple of years in a row to play in the select team, and yeah, it was a big, big thing, quite an honour. You trained on a Sunday evening for a couple of hours. Um, Jackie Sutherland, John Beaton, these sort of guys that give up incredible amounts of time. Um, but it was, it was really well structured, and it was, it was really the path, the pathway in Inverness football was to play the street league, play the youth league, and then hopefully go on to Highland League if you were good enough. And, and that was the high league then, of course, was the pinnacle, whereas nowadays we can offer guys full-time football in their home city. Yeah, some fantastic names there you mentioned as well. Of course, you know, uh, some guys that are still involved in, in, in youth setups, and, uh, and and some guys who were pivotal uh, over the you know the last number of years and getting youngsters involved in football in the city. Um, it sounds like you had a, a really good grounding to set you up for making that step up to the Highland League. Now, we've spoken a lot about Inverness Thistle and your, your love of the Jags. However, your first club was Caledonian FC. Was there any interest at all from Thistle? Aye, well, it's funny because Thistle did incredibly Thistle and much to Evans sort of a disappointment. Inverness Thistle didn't have a youth setup. So what used to you find happened after the youth league, when you came about between the ages of 14 and 16, Cali would basically sweep up all the good talent locally and to their youth setup because um, they were the only, but they had a very, very good one. And I mean, I, I'm talking about real exceptional ones. So all the good players, and you know, Graham Bennett, uh, Graham Dawson, Mike Fridge, you know, all the boys that were of, of above average ability went into the Cali youth setup. And you know, I remember in 1983 uh, they took us in a, to a tournament to, in Toronto, which was just incredible for a Highland League team. Went out to Toronto for 20 days played in a tournament, then played some exhibition matches. And it was just one of the trips of my life. And, uh, you know, for, for a Highland League team to actually do that and organise it, their youth set up, it's fabulous. And so then, you know, when I came back from Canada, I broke into Cali's first team when I was, I think, 17. I played with, uh, you know, a really strong team. They won the league that year, actually, Cali. Ray Matintosh, Billy Erhurt, Bob Summers, Peter Corbett, you know, real, real top players and top characters. John Doherty in midfield and Martin Lyle. Um, Wilson Robertson and Kevin Mann came through from Aberdeen so a f- fantastic Cali team um, and I was lucky enough to break into that team but my heart really was always up the hill as they say and you know I, I always wanted to play for for, uh, for Thistle and to fulfil that goal and, and luckily uh, Roshi Fraser another fantastic local football guy uh, when Roshi was manager in 85 he, he managed to get me from Cali um, and I, I signed for Thistle uh, and I forget in February I actually signed the night before Thistle beat Kilmarnock 3-0 in the Scottish Cup it's one of the finest Thistle displays I've seen uh, I was actually captured because I played for Cali in the Scottish Cup that year so I couldn't play myself but I signed the night before and I was at the game with my pals actually behind the goal 
and Thistle were absolutely superb that day and, and beat a high-flying Kilmarnock team 3-0 at Kings Mill. So, um, and then, you know, it was, I just, I'd fulfilled a goal. I knew that's what I wanted to play for Thistle to, to get that off the bucket list. And and then the big thing for me, it was in 86 when uh, we won the league. I mean, I played with an incredible Thistle team. The late, great Alan Hurcher, one of the nicest and finest people you'll ever met. Obviously, Hurcher's no longer with us, but I remember talking to Hurchie years later and he said to me, he says that he felt the 96 Thistle team was the best high league team he'd ever played against, which I, from Big Hurchie was praise indeed, you know, um, but that was just, a, I remember we were just fabulous team, you know, Mike Andrews, Davy Mulroy at the back, um, Titchy Black, as I say, who was a previous hero of mine, he was, he played almost every game that season. Um, I played in midfield, my friend Mike Noble played in midfield with me, Al McDonald, a great servant to the club, but it was just a, probably nine of the most enjoyable footballing months in my life, to be honest, and I loved every minute of it, um, playing play football the right way. By that time, Rossi had given up the manager job and Brian Black had come in and, and Lofty was did a great job as manager, good guy to play for and try to get football played the, the right way and it was just a, a really fabulous time. It's a bit of a no-brainer, isn't it, to sign for Thistle, having you know that love affair with them and, and as you say, that league title triumph is... So early in your career, you know, such a, a, a highlight. Um, what are your kind of memories of that? You know, because lifting a, a trophy and especially a league title as well is a, is a special moment in anyone's career. What, what are your kind of memories of, of that day? Yeah, I mean, oh, that, the, the, the day was fabulous. It's funny because we actually, the day we won, it was a Wednesday night. And that night, I got through, it was a really special night. Mom and dad were there. Well, my dad was in there for every home game that year. He, he loved the fact going back to Kings Mills and watching his son play. So it was great. My mom and dad went to a lot of games, and but he was there that night. And I actually, I knew before the game, I was getting presented with the Highland League Young Player of the Year mm. um, prior to the game. And then, you know, which I was a bit not sure about prior to a, a game that we, you know, we could win as the league. So I got the trophy presented to me half an hour before kickoff. And then, you know, we won 4 1. I actually got a couple of goals. We beat Peterhead 4 1. We put on another terrific display. And I remember Titchy Black was exceptional that night. And you know, it was just uh, it was just one of these special nights. And I remember finally, you know, I remember going back to Inverness Thistle used to have their social club in Baron Taylor's Lane. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all went back there on a Wednesday night to celebrate. And of course, our chairman at the time was Jock McDonald, a well-known figure in, in Inverness football from Tomatin Distillery. And uh, while everyone else used to get their trophy filled with champagne, we got ours filled with 25-year-old malt. <laughs> but much to the much, much to the disgust of most of the players, because of course, none of us drank whiskey at that time, sadly, you know. But there was one man in the Thistle Club that night that was in his element, and that was my old man, <laughs> who was a whiskey drinker. Right. And he must have had, instead of having a sip out the cup, I think he had about 56 sips out the cup. But <laughs> uh, it was a, just a fabulous night. And it was a great, it was good that we won the league in such a sort of a positive manner because our, our play that season deserved that. You know, we, we'd, we'd put on some fabulous displays and, um, and nobody touched us actually. We won the league by you know a, a, quite a few points by the end of the day. And Cali were our nearest challengers, which which made it even more sweet to get over the line. Um, but you know a, a fabulous, fabulous sort of time in my football career. And, and it also helped me. I mean, I, I think it was that season that I was fortunate enough that Celtic actually got tipped off about me, and and they started sort of. I think they sent a scout up two or three times that season, and that's where their sort of interest began as well. Yeah, you, so you've mentioned there that you, you know, grew up as a, a Inverness Thistle fan, obviously with that, you know, Celtic, Celtic being your kind of your big team, if you like, and and then you have that that move to Celtic comes about, and it's almost like again, you know, dream come true. You've 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 grown up an Inverness Thistle fan. You've represented them. You've won the league title for them, and then Celtic come knocking, which is, which is an incredible move. Talk to us about your your memories of, of how that came about, and obviously, you know, then. The transfer moving down to Glasgow, the early stages of that that move. Yeah, well, it came about actually. I'd heard little rumours the season before, but I'd been away in six trials. Ian, I'd been down to Leicester for a couple of weeks. I did well. I've been to Dundee United. I've been to Aberdeen. So I was I, I was getting to the stage, and then at that time, and I started playing for Thistle. Davy Morley worked in the civil service, and Davy got me a good job in there, which I, I really enjoyed. I had a good job in the civil service with the training agency, and I really enjoyed my job. And you know, I had a good life balance, working full time, playing. For Thistle part time, the Highland League, but then I was basically in the job centre, and I never forget the Monday morning, ten past nine, and the, the uh, Mr. Jock McDonald, the big Jock in his day, God rest his soul, big Jock, uh, uh, the receptionist put me through and, and says, "Charlie, Mr. McDonald's on the phone to you for you." 
And John McDonald basically says, Charlie, that's your way. And I went, what? What are you talking about? And he says, oh, I've agreed terms over the weekend with Celtic. Myself and Mr McGinn uh, have agreed terms over the weekend and you have to be thank tomorrow to sort out your own terms. And honestly, and you could have blown me over with a, you know, I nearly fell off my seat. It was just, I thought, what a, what a Monday morning that was. So obviously I phoned my mom and dad and phoned my brothers and, you know, everyone's a few tears in the phone. They just couldn't believe it. And it just, it was a bit of a whirlwind. And then myself and the Thistle manager, Brian Black, we travelled down to Glasgow on the Tuesday. Celtic actually had a, a game in Europe. Uh, I think they played Borussia Dortmund that night. We, we were taken to the game. And then I met with Mr McNeil the following morning. And, uh, you know, I was never going to, I was never going to quibble over terms, to be honest. It was just, I was still in sort of, on, on a cloud, to be honest. Um, dreamland so then I came back up and I remember going to training in uh, Thistle Park that week just to say cheerio to the boys and you know it was great one of my best pals there was a boy John McGilvery he stayed very close to me in Hilton and John's been a Thistle fan for years and he actually came up me that night and he, quietly and he says this is actually Roy the Rover stuff Charlie <laughs> and I says you're right I says it's just it was just incredible and um, it, it was fabulous and yeah, and the first year, so I went down quite quickly and I went down within a couple of weeks. I was down in Glasgow. I stayed with, uh, moved into the house with the two Irish lads, Alan McKnight, the reserve goalkeeper, and Anton Rogan, who was playing a regular for the first team at the time. Two great guys, especially Rogie. I had off with him straight away. We, we were very close. And the first year, Ian, was fabulous. I just loved it. And I, the full-time training and, and, and you know, you're playing with better players and, and they train at a better tempo and, I just, I got stronger, I got, even got quicker, I felt. And, and I was, ended up that season top scorer in the reserves. And it couldn't have gone much better. The only thing that was a wee bit disappointing is I couldn't get any game time in the first team because A, they were doing so well. Those are the days of two substitutes, of course. And and B, the two boys up front that were playing, because certainly did play with two up front at the time, Andy Walker and Frank Maraveni, A, they were having a terrific season. And B, they were, I, don't, I think they went through the whole season without an injury. So it was very, very difficult to to displace them and, and get a chance. And that was the only sort of downside of what was a terrific nine months, to be honest. And um, it was the centenary year, 1988. And yeah, I, I just look back with it with, with you know, and Celtic won the double that year. And, and the first year couldn't have got the second year, different year. And I, I must admit, I, I probably got a bit disillusioned at not getting a crap with the first team. Naturally, when I look back now, it's too what they say in life. If you if you knew then what you knew now, you know. But um, I was getting a wee bit disillusioned, not getting a bit of time in the first team, and and the second season didn't go anywhere near as well as the first year. Um, but it's two years of my life that I would wouldn't swap for anything, and I, and I always look back on and you know to to take to play in the team. I, I was away to Italy. I played against Ajax for Celtic in Italy in a pre-season tournament. I played with Paul McStay. Roy Aitken, Paki Bonner, you know, legends of Celtic Football Club. And it was it was such an honour to do that. I, my only frustration looking back is that I probably didn't do myself justice that second season, which is was a bit stupid, but um, you, you live and learn, you know. And it's funny because it's a story that I, I've recounted to my own son and uh, Ryan's listened. And I think he's, well, he, he without doubt has taken that on board. So it's, it's paid dividends in the long term. Yeah, some incredible names that you've you've mentioned there as well. Uh, sharing a, dr- a dressing room with these guys, in terms of you know th- these guys, I mean you've mentioned there, Roy Aitken, Paul McStay, Frank McAvaney, Andy Walker, uh, Bucky Bonner as well. You know, real Celtic legends. Uh, in terms of your you know your encounters with these guys, what are the kind of memories that, that stick out playing alongside these guys? I mean, Paul McStay is probably one of the most uh, obviously underrated yeah. players in in Scottish footballing history. Never mind Celtic. Absolutely, and you're bang on. I remember, I, I remember, couldn't believe. I mean, Paul McStay now was a probably a 30, 40 million pound player. Well, easily 30, 40 million pound player in the current market. I mean, he's the best football player I've ever stepped in a football pitch with, without a doubt, and an absolute gentleman too. The way he conducted himself to officials, to on and off the field, he was respected by his peers. But what a player! You know, he he did have that. I, I'm a great. I speak to a lot of the youth players about game awareness, and it's quite a hard thing to teach game awareness actually. And game knowledge, but Paul had that. He just had that in abundance. You know, he had that looked over his shoulder very quickly. He saw the game, and you know, he, as I say, he was just a gentleman off the pitch as well. And he, it's actually great you know, because he's kept in contact with me. He's, he's an Australian now, Paul, and he sent me a few emails about the young fellow. And it's uh, just 
I actually I couldn't when I opened the first one. I nearly had to lump my throat. For you know, it's it's, it's absolutely brilliant. And then you've got Roy Aitken at the back, who again so underrated. Roy Aitken, what a player, what a man, what an inspirational leader he was in the changing room. You know, I, I wasn't the first team changing room too much, but when I was in there, he just had so much sort of charisma about him, and he, he led from the front. You know, he, he, his attitude as well, and it's funny because they had such a backbone of a team that year, Celtic, and because that, that's the time Rangers were beginning to spend really heavily. Yep, but. But Celtic had that solid backbone and Bonner, Aitken, you know, there's McStay and Peter Grant in midfield. You know, Paul did all the silty stuff and Peter used to slide about winning all the challenges. And um, so, it, as I say, it was just, it was great to, to I'll, I'll never forget actually being able to step on a football pitch with these guys. And it, it's, uh, it was a big highlight of my career, as I say. So a lot of people sort of talk about my, I, I hate when people talk about my time at Celtic with a disappoint, disappointing tone because I don't look back on it like that at all. You know, I, I'm the first one to admit I should have made more of my opportunity the second season, but I wouldn't swap that two seasons for anything. Yeah, and, and there's not many people get to play for one of the biggest clubs in the in the country, the UK. The You know, in world terms of world football, there's not many players get selected to to pull in the green and white hoops, that's for sure. You mentioned there, you, obviously, your, your time with, with Celtic came uh, to an end. You moved back to Inverness. Um, and it's the the other side. It's Cali uh, come calling. Was it always Cali, or was it an option to to rejoin Thistle? No, it, it wasn't always Cali. I spoke to John McDonald. Um, Thistle, to be fair, had had lost their way a little bit at that time. You know, they they weren't maybe the force, and um, so whereas Cali, and, and it was Peter Corbett. I, I mean, no bones about it, Peter. When he heard I was coming home, I mean, I think Peter must have taken me out for about six six lunches within one week. <laughs> um, but he was very persuasive. Peter, he's a great character. He's, he's he is one of the characters in the best football that we all know. Um, and uh, you know, I had my battles with Peter. We've had a few fallouts over the years, but lots of time for the guy. Um, I saw him at Clark Park only three weeks ago, and we had a long chat. And um, so it was, you know, Peter was very persuasive. Carly were. They painted a picture of a club that they'd gone through a bad period, Cali, for, for their high, high standards. And they needed to turn the corner again and start challenging. And they saw me as an integral part of that, so which was great. And uh, so, so I ended up back at Cali Park and thoroughly enjoyed it again. I just thought, you know, Highland League, I don't, I think it gets bad press sometimes. Um, but especially in that era, this is before the teams got into the Scottish League, obviously. And yeah. There was, there was real quality in the Highland League, real, real quality. You look at some of the players that have played, if I look at sort of era from 1990 to when Cali Thistle were founded in 93-94, that three or four seasons, you could have made a Highland League select that would have easily have competed in the Scottish Championship. I've, I've made this statement before and people have raised their eyebrows. I'm telling you right now, you could have easily made a Highland League select that would have competed, and I think competed well, at my level, I think I saw them at Scottish Championship level. You know, your 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 Brian Thompson, your Ian Stewart, your um, you know, lots of Martin Johnson, lots of good players. You know, you look at Ross County, Bobby had had them flying at the time in the early nineties, playing lovely football. Gordy Conley, Barry Wilson, Billy Ferris, Brian Grant, you know, they they had a terrific team about that time. So um, there, there was a lot of good talent in the, the Highland League over that four, three, four-year period, and it was a real pleasure to, to play against these guys. Oh, you're right, because as we'll go on to talk about, you know, Cali Thistle certainly, and you know, in a, a number of years' time, we'd go on and shock Celtic with a whole host of players who, who represented the Highland League. Um, before that, of course, when we talk about you know history in the in the city of Inverness, one of the most one of the pivotal points in in the history of footballing in in the city is the early nineties, and of course the merger. Then you were a, a Caledonian player, having you know links with Inverness Thistle, having played for them, and you know having a, a love for Inverness Thistle. Um, where was your head at when you first heard about the the merger, and what were your thoughts going forward? And what was quite a tumultuous time. Yeah, it wasn't a good time, and you're right, and you're absolutely right. It got quite nasty, or very nasty at some stages, which was, was good for nobody, as we know in life. But I, I, it's funny about the merger, because I remember my father speaking 
And quite heatedly, it was quite a topic in the Christie household, and I was young at the time, about the chance when Thistle had in the mid-70s, and they got actually outvoted by, and Ferranti Thistle got in, who are now Livingston, turned into Medding Bark, who then turned into Livingston. Um, but my dad was quite adamant then that Thistle, believe it or not, on their own should have got in. The argument in 93, when the door was opened again for us, is that Cali and the and a, a, a fair section of the Cali fans thought that Cali were big enough. And, and to be honest, I've never questioned that. Cali would have easily have held their own um, in the lower leagues in Scotland. How much progress, certainly they would have competed in the part-time bottom two leagues. Um, but I just thought the merger for me made sense. The amalgamate football in Inverness. The disappointing thing for me was that Clark didn't decided not to get involved. I thought ideally it would have been lovely for us to have a, a fully merged between the three clubs in the Scottish League, but then maintain an, an Inverness, well, let's say Inverness City, Inverness United, whatever you want to call them, in the Highland League. And I thought that would work, and I still maintain to this day that would have worked great. But but I thought going forward, I thought that um, I always thought that a merged club would have a better chance, I think, voting wise, because, you know, the SFA, these votes can get quite political at times. And I, I think that a merged club would have been looked upon more favourably, which I think was the fact of the matter. So if Cali had gone on their own, um, I'm not so sure they would have got the requisite number of votes to get in, which was a concern. So. And, and the thing about it, as I say, you know, you, we went through all these acrimonious meetings and they weren't good. Um, the Cali players got involved in the voting, Ian, which was, in retrospect, a really bad decision. We were going along the Muirton Motel, uh, 16, 18 of us, and we were all for it. So I think every man, you know, if every player turned out and voted for the merger, there was, you know, a, a bit of um, vocal sort of response from some of our segment of our fans. And I can understand that. You know, I'm a football guy through and through. And, and football's tribal, and and I can understand it all. And it, but it, it wasn't good. And it, in retrospect, it would have been better if maybe if the players had stayed away from it. Um, but um, the one thing I, I say to this day when I'm asked the question is that nobody, and absolutely nobody, can say that it's not been the right thing, because history has proved it has been. Um, how successful if Cali had gone in their own, or Thistle. Um, I think Thistle didn't have the infrastructure maybe at the time, whereas Cali maybe did with the youth setup and the commercial setup. How far they would have gone, I don't know. They, they certainly wouldn't have achieved what the Menace Caledonia Thistle have achieved. Um, but it's disappointing. And then, of course, there was a bit of fallout in the first season. Um, Sergey Baltacha, an absolute gem of a man, absolute gentleman, big Serg. He was the manager, and it, it, there was a lot of still fallout the first season. Um, and that was disappointing. There was quite a lot of disruption, et cetera, et cetera, and a sort of ill feeling at some of the games, which does nobody any good. The Thistle fans felt that they'd been maybe overshadowed, shall we say, and it was more of a takeover than a merger. And, and, and they had a point one or two stupid aspects. But again, over time, thankfully, it all got sorted out. And um, I think the following season, when, when the unrest died down a bit, and then, of course, that coincided with <laughs> with uh, uh, Mr. Patterson, Mr. Steve Patterson coming coming in. Then that's when I really think the merger took off, and and you know it's been it's been incredible ever since. Albeit you knew the, the Thistle lads well who were, were who were coming in and the coaching stuff, etc. But you were almost kind of then made into one team. Talk to us about those kind of early days. Yeah, well, I mean, the first year was, you're right, we didn't really bring anyone, if I remember really, from outside in. You know, it was really Steve Parson that demanded, as Steve does, he demanded, he says, look, if I'm going to come in, I need new players from outside the two clubs. The first year was really just, a, um, I think it was very few Thistle players. I think it was only two or three Thistle players, you know. And, um, so it was vast majority of the team were, were Cali, the existing Cali team from 93. Um, so so that, but we all got on fine and and... You know, the, the feeling at games, the crowds were healthy. You know, the, the crowds were significantly uh, bigger than what Cali or Thistle um, were getting in the Highland League. And I mean, significantly bigger. But, um, you know, it, it was a, an uncomfortable time. I mean, we started off great. We won the cup game. I, I actually missed the first six games because I'd had a, 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 a pulled muscle. So which was much to my disappointment. I didn't play in the first six games. But, um, I remember going, that was at every game and, you know, as I say, you see the Arbroath game was just fabulous and the big man getting his hat trick. And I was quite envious watching from the stands, to be honest. But it, 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 we could tell things weren't quite right. And 
and the political unrest needed to settle down. And, and thankfully, it did the following season. Um, the first year, I think we finished, I think it was six we finished, which was fine. We didn't let ourselves down. We had some really good performances, some not so good ones. Um, but, but what was interesting, Ian, was that it was incredible, really, because you were going down to places like East Stirling and Albion Rovers. Now, these are not the most salubrious football stadiums on the planet, no, let me no. tell you, especially Clifton Hill. But it, they just it, it brought on a whole new sort of dimension to it. We just, we loved it. We loved every minute of it. You got on the bus and there was obviously a lot of travelling. You were getting on at half eight in the morning and then you were getting home at eight o'clock, half seven, eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. But they were just, you know, and we wanted to prove a point for, for Highland football. And, and then, of course, you know, we did the first year, as I said. Second year was really in my mind when the things, you know, the came alight. You know, it, Stevie got involved. As I say, he came in. We then recruited two or three players that we, we needed. You know, the, the Ian Stewart's of this world came in and these sort of boys, Brian Thompson, Mike Teasdale. And, and that year, we, we were a real force. Um, we didn't actually get promoted that year. I think we finished third. Um, but... The following year, we won the we won the third division trophy. We had the Scottish Cup grand that ended up playing Rangers at uh, Tannadice in the quarterfinals against Paul Glasgow and Brian Loudrup. Um, so that really was when I think that we we really arrived on the map in Scottish football terms. And I think then people down south all of a sudden took notice and says, "Well, here's a team that could do something," which which was great. I think the, you mentioned there about you know the the new surroundings uh, and new stadiums and new players to come up, up against. But you know, having been involved in the Highland League circles for many years, it would be nice to you know to go and see different grounds and test yourself against different opposition. And the thing with Cali Thistle in the early years was Cali Thistle, you know, certainly within the first four or five years, were progressing through the league. So you were you were genuinely playing you know so many different teams and visiting so many different parts. You mentioned Rangers there, obviously, you know, against the old firm. These are kind of special uh, memories. And certainly in the first, you know, uh, five or six years of Inverness Cali Thistle's history, you know, they're defined by the games against the, the old firm, certainly. And, and uh, that game against Rangers, the only downside, I suppose, in terms of the city of Inverness is the game was at Tanadice, uh, which was a, a bit of a disappointment, I know, uh, not to host it in Inverness. But in terms of, you mentioned two names in particular there, uh, Paul Gascoigne, Brian Loudrop, who were on fire that day. Ali McCoyce was there uh, as well. There was a That was a real good Rangers side. What was your memories of, of playing against that uh, nine-in-a-row Rangers side under Walter Smith? Yeah, I mean, it was a great, it was a good Rangers side, honestly, when you look at the quality they had in that team. Interestingly, actually, it's funny, a guy that never get mentioned, because obviously Gascoigne is, you know, I say Paul McStay is the best player I've ever played with. I'd probably say that Paul Gascoigne is the best player I've ever played against. Um, and, and I actually did play against Paul that day. I was playing as a sort of deep line number 10, so I, I came up against him quite a bit, unfortunately, that day. But, uh, you know, then, then they had the legends, McCoy's, who was just a, a you know, an incredible individual and, and you know, but the guy that day, interestingly, that was on fire and actually really killed us was the boy Van Vossen, the Dutch lad, um, who obviously gets well remembered for his horrendous miss for Rangers. He had a horrendous miss in the Premier League one day, but he was he was on fire that day and, and really, you know, it made life difficult for us. But great memory, 11,000 people at Tannadice. You're right, you know, it's a pity we couldn't have played it in Inverness. I thought Delphi Street, which had obviously hosted Rangers before, which I find quite strange. It was more than capable of hosting the game, but um, we went down the Friday night, stayed in a hotel. Um, I shared a room with uh, Graham Bennett, and uh, I remember getting the head down late at night. It was about, I don't know, say 11 o'clock at night. We, we'd gone for a walk and had our team meeting with Steve and, and that, and then all up to our rooms and watched a wee bit of telly. And so I'm, I clicked the light off telly offices, right? And then the next minute, about 10 minutes later, all I get is Mr. Bennett saying, uh, 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 Charlie, are they really that good? <laughs> to which I replied, yes, Graham, they bloody are, so get the head done. <laughs> and honestly, I mean, it, uh, but it was great. It was, again, Ian, it's interestingly, I really felt that that was a huge stepping stone. We talked a lot about the Celtic game in 2000, yeah. but I also felt that game in 98 was a stepping stone too, you know, because um, we brought a good crowd to Tannerice that day. Thousands of people came. Um, and, and as Watersmith said, fair play to the man, Fabulous football man. 
He actually turned around after the game, I'll never forget in his interview, and said, they beat us 3-0, and says, Cali Thistle caused us more problems than many Premier League teams have this season, which I thought was, you know, very, very nice for him to say. I remember Gorham having a terrific save off Wee Stewart at one stage of the game. Um, so so I felt that was a, a bit of a turning point for us too, um, that, that people said, um, and, and by that time, we'd obviously gained promotion into the second division. We were going quite well that year. Um in the second division, we didn't actually gain promotion. We had, we left up for the following year, but um, it, it really was, I think. And again, it just it helped just put a final sort of shut the lid on any unrest because um, there was still little snippets going on. And I thought then we said everyone sort of said enough's enough. Let's look to the future now. And uh, and as I say, I think that was a huge step in the right direction. You mentioned them there. I mean, I've spoken to him a number of times about about Vanessa Cali Thistle and. So many people have got, um, you know, so many good things to say about um, Steve Patterson. How pivotal was he and that success? And, you know, what would he talk to us about his qualities? And uh, because he was a, you know, a main focal point over that kind of late 90s, early noughties. Yeah, he was, Ian. And then he, he fabulous. And now listen, and I'm not going to go into much detail. We all know Steve Patterson could let himself down at times, you know, often when Guinness was involved. <laughs> um, and that's a fact. But listen, he was a flawed, I always say a flawed genius, and we know them all. Um, we, we've talked about them. There's been ones in all sorts of sports, but as a manager. And the good thing for me, and which speaks volumes, is that you talk to any player in that era over that three or four years that played, and I mean any one of us, so probably 40, 50 players over that four or five years, and every one of them will speak fondly of Steve Patterson. You know, I, I actually make the expression, and it's funny, because it's not as if I was a, a big tackler, but I would have gone through a brick wall from him. He just, and, and his, you talk about his asset, I always say two things, and it, it sounds such an easy thing, but he had a great eye for a player. You know, I, I always remember he brought in, you know, I, I played in midfield at the time, quite often sort of attacking midfielder, but I wasn't a guy that was going to cover every blade of grass for you or get back and make challenges. And he realised that if he was going to play me in there to, to get on the ball and make things happen, then he needed a war horse in there with me. And, and he identified Paul Cherry, he identified Mark McCulloch, and these guys were great athletes, got about, made challenges, won the ball. And that was, his, I think, his biggest asset was his eye for a player. You know, he, remembering what he did also in the Highland League with Elgin and Huntley. I mean, he, he had an absolutely fabulous team at Elgin, fabulous team at Huntley that he built. And then he came at Cali Thistle, and he'd brilliant eye for a player. And the other thing, and I think this is a huge asset in life, is that he never asked a player to do something that he didn't think he could do. You know, so I thought, you know, he wouldn't ask me to play as a wing back and, and get up and down the park all day because he knew that just wasn't my makeup. So he, he, when he asked you to do something, you know, he, he, you knew he asked you things that were in your realms of your capabilities. And that's a, it's a, such an easy thing to say, but, you know, and, the players respected that. And the other big thing, Ian, for me, because obviously where I played in the park and the way I like football played, he always wanted his teams to play in the front foot. If you go back to his Elgin team, his Huntley team, and then rest Cali Thistle, once he got them moulded in his way, he always wanted us to play in the front foot. And uh, the year that we won the third division and then the two years in the, the second division in Scotland, the Inverness fans were spoiled. They were, I say it to this day, they were absolutely spoiled what some of the games and the performances they watched. I mean, you know, because if we went 2-1 up, he wasn't happy. He wanted you to win 3-1, 4-1, 5-1. And he just always wanted to... He talked all the time about attacking, you know. Um, he, he was aware of the importance of having a good defence. Obviously, he brought Bobby Mann in, who did a great job for us. Um, but I, I just loved his ethos in the game. And, you know, I, I've said to this day, I don't think we would be where we are without Steve Patterson. And I, I stand by that. Now, you mentioned, uh, Laurent, about the Celtic game. Of course, Steve's one of Steve's finest hours is this, the, the night that Super Cali went ballistic. And, uh, you know, I've spoken to a number of guys about this on, on this podcast. And, I mean, so many great memories will have come from that night. And, and no doubt, you know, we've mentioned a couple of high points in your career so far, but I'm assuming that that's up there with one of them. What is the one memory that if you could take from that entire night uh, and, and save and have for the rest of your days. What was that one memory? I would probably say Sheeran scoring the penalty because that was the first time Ian that I truly believed we could win that night. 
you know, we were 2-1. And it's not as if we were really under the course. Obviously, Celtic was lots of the ball, as you'd expect. But they weren't creating a lot, to be honest, you know. And, and Calder was having one of these nights where, Jimmy, everything seemed to be sticking. And, you know, we had some incredible performances that night throughout the team, right throughout the team. It was, um, but I remember when, when we got the penalty, Barry, and, yeah, you couldn't wish a better guy to go down inside the box. He was an absolute expert at it, Baz. And uh, when Peanut scored, I, th- I remember thinking, right. And I think I asked the referee how long ago, and I can't remember what he said, 20 odd minutes, I think he said. And I thought, we've got a real chance now, you know. Um, so, so that was a big, but the, the whole night was just special. And again, the way Steve spoke to us, it, it, I'll be honest, I've gone to Parkhead as a manager and played a 4 5 1 and tried to come away with a point. I've, I've been there, I've done that. No, there was none of that. We played very attacking. You look at the, look at our starting team that night, full of attacking players, attack-minded players. And, um, you know, we, we, the first goal is a great goal. I mean, Golubek takes a quick free kick and down the line at Paul Sheeran. And his body says, Paul was never the quickest player. He was never going to go past the full-back, so he just shifted it and crossed it. And Baz does great getting across the man and scores a good header. So... Um, I, I just loved, again, Stevie's thoughts on that night. He spoke to me at half-time. He said to me about keep getting in the ball. We, you know, you, we need things. And I remember him in his team talk at half-time saying, there's more goals in this for us, which I thought, you know, many a manager would come in two and up against Celtic and say, right, we're shutting up shop, take a forward off. Yeah. But, but no, we, we just, it was just great. And the fact, as I say, I've mentioned many a time, my, my family, my wife and my son were down. I think Ryan was, was at four or five years of age and he was in the stand and um, it was just a, a fabulous night, and obviously we continued it on. Celtic fans were superb. Their, their staff and the way they treated us after the game, as you'd expect from Celtic Football Club, they were just absolutely tremendous. Filled the bus full of beers for us, and it was just a, a fabulous night. And you know, the best ninety minutes of football in my, you know, I was lucky enough to think I played over twenty years in football at a good level, and that was my, without doubt, my favourite ninety minutes. And um, you know, we'd achieved something very special. And the fact we're still speaking about it to this day um, just shows you how important it was. And then, of course, the headline, Ian, just the headline just rounded off the next day. Yeah, it, quite a, quite an incredible uh, night. And it will always be one of the, the greatest nights, if you like, in the club's history. You got Man of the Match that evening. Am I, am I right in saying that the Man of the Match champagne bottle still... It's within reach, Ian, as we speak. It's within reach. It's uncorked, <laughs> though, isn't it? You've still got it's it. V- still corked. It's still very... God knows it might be like syrup now. But it's been very close, to be honest. Very, very close to being opened. You know, and I look back now, I probably should have just opened it that night and changed them. But there's only these things that you know, I wanted to keep and I've threatened to open it once or twice tonight. Scotland won in Serbia. It was, that was the closest we've, I've ever been to getting it open. But uh, but no, it's a nice keepsake. Listen, it, it really is just a keepsake of... of a special night in the club's history and in my football history, so it's nice to have something like that. Ah, that that's for, well, it's not um, it's not quite twenty-five year old tomato, right enough, but um, <laughs> not that much can top that. Charlie, your your spell or your playing career, if you like, for for Inverness, Cali Thistle, uh, comes to an end in two thousand and four, just as the club get promoted as well. And it was interesting to, I mean, you you said their twenty years playing career. Um, was there any Thoughts about you know staying on and and trying to play, uh, in the top flight was that was that ever a, a, you know um, something that crossed your mind? It's interesting, Ian. I was speaking to Graham Bennett about this lately, and Graham was the director of football at the time. And, and remember, I was twenty eight when Cali got in the league in ninety four. When they first played my played my first game of Cali, I was twenty eight. And somebody said to me, "You'll play the first ten seasons out of bit in your hand off," you know. Mm-hmm. But you know, I was 37, it was 37, going on 38 when we got promoted to the Premier League. So I'm thinking, you know, and I, the big thing was, and I'd actually got into the team that year. I, I didn't start in the team. I was obviously, you know, I did my pre-season, but I didn't expect to be in the team. John Robertson was the manager and we'd brought one or two boys in. But we had a good team then. But then the team actually had two or three bad results and fair play. John put me in. Um, I played away to Peter Head in the cup. We won 3-1, I think. Bobby scored. Paul Ritchie scored. And, and uh, I got into the team and then, of course, my third game in, we played at Perth against St. Johnson and a centre half caught me in a challenge and broke my foot. Um, so at that time, it took me months to get back from that. And I just thought when you're 37 and a half years of age, you know, and recovering from a break, it's, it's a lot different when you're 17 and a half. So, um, but no, looking back, Ian, I, I, I was a wee bit disappointed. And I think, there you go, you've, you've got, I've never ever said this to anyone bar my family, but I was a little bit disappointed that the club didn't maybe offer me 
you know, I'd love, I would have loved for the club to say, right, Charlie, why don't you give pre-season a go? And, you know, it'd be nice to be part of the squad for the Premier League. But I was never offered the opportunity and I'm not the sort of person, Ian, that would go and ask for it. It's just not my makeup to do that. But it, it would have been lovely. I mean, I know Big Tokes did it and credit to him, Big Ross. Uh, it would have been lovely um, to have played in every league. But um, as I say, I, I, I was just delighted to get the 10, the first 10 years of the club's history. But you didn't play in the top flight, but you did manage. Uh, you came back uh, to the club. Obviously, you're still involved in the club, but in terms of you got a, an opportunity to to manage the club. And in fact, what I was thinking about this earlier on as well, and of course, it, it sticks out like a sore thumb, and I didn't realise uh, at the time, or or certainly until I looked at the notes myself, but you're the only Invernesian to have managed Inverness, Caledonian Thistle in terms of a, you know, a full-time basis as a, as a permanent manager, also in the top flight as well. Craig Brewster left the club. He went to uh, Dundee United, of course, a club that's you know he's uh, linked with and, and part of their history and culture. In terms of that t- opportunity, because I know that you took over on a, a caretaker basis to begin with, was that just too good to turn down? Um, I don't know, but too good. I was very, I think it was well documented at the time. I was very sceptical about it. I wasn't, I wasn't quite sure if I was ready. I mean, you know, I knew football and I, I'm quite, a, I think a lot about football and I quite like the tactical side of the game, the coaching side. I'd done a couple of my badges, the initial ones. So I, was, I always thought I would quite like to get involved in coaching. But I just thought maybe the time was a bit early. And I, probably now I'm, I was right. The time was maybe just a bit early for me. Um, and saying that, you know, the, the two caretaker games I took charge with two exceptional performances from the lads. And I think um, the board were very keen then, could I keep it going? And I, and I was glad I did, to give it a go. In, in retrospect, I probably maybe should have left that a couple of years. Um, but, and again, I'm not trying to get defensive here, but when you actually look at how we did that year, um, we finished eighth in Premier League, seventh and eighth in the two years. Um, we made a profit both years. The only two years in Inverness Caledonia Thistle's history that we made a profit. I was manager both years because we lived within our means and it's the way I live my life. Um, and we did really well in, in the Cups. We were very unfortunate not to beat Celtic in the Cup at home that year, leading 1-0 with two minutes to go. Um, but, you know, it was great. I just One of the things I found here was that you may be touching there being an Indonesian. I was maybe too close to it. It really did. I just... You know, I was I was um, really, if we didn't play well and didn't perform, I used to get really hard on myself and get quite despondent about the whole thing. And um, Whereas now, I look back and I think, you were nuts. And, and fair play to my assistant, Donald Park, I brought Donald in because of his experience and I liked the man. And Donald said to me, and, I, and I'm, you know, I'll be honest, he said, Charlie, you don't realise how well you're doing. And I'm coming from Donald, that was praise indeed, but I probably didn't take that on board. But, but you look at us now, and having been in the championship for five consecutive years, what would you give now to be seventh or eighth in the Premiership? Yeah. You know, it, it really was. A, and the crowds, we, I think we averaged over 3,500 that year. And, and yeah. if we look back, so yeah, I didn't realise at the time, but, but when you look back in the history books, you look at the records, and we had the five consecutive 1-0 wins, which was incredible, after the split. When I was in charge, we won every game after the split 1-0. We got 58 points, the most points we've ever had in the Premier League, I think, until Yogi got us to third. So, you know, it really was a, a, a really good period for the club. We were doing really well commercially, really good fan base. As I say, you know, we could go to the AGM and balance sheet showed a profit, which is I take great pride in, you know, and, and I worked with great chairman. I mean, Alan Savage was a variety engineer, was my chairman. Great guy. I had a great, still a friend to this day. Had a good working relationship with Alan, but I just, I would just, I, I was awful hard on myself. I just wanted us to play, I wanted us to play that ideal game every week, Ian, which was very naive of me, you know, and probably comes from my inexperience as a manager. Well, I followed the club closely that season, um, and I remember it vividly. Um, I mean, there was the the win at Ibrox with Graham Bain scoring, which was a fantastic result. Cali Thistle's first uh, league win over uh, over Rangers. Uh, the 2-1 game at at, uh, at Cali Park with John Rankin scoring that that amazing goal and the one-all draw against Rangers and as you mentioned there, uh, ran Celtic you know got results against Celtic as well in the league and and ran them so close in the Scottish Cup and Celtic went on to win the Scottish Cup that year and I, if memory serves me right Rangers were knocked out that the round before 
And if Cali, I think it was the quarterfinals, and if Cali had, you know, if you'd won that 1-0, that would have, you know, really opened up. And oh, you just absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there were some fantastic results that year. And I think you touched on it there, obviously, you know, being an invasion, it was it was difficult there. That you're still involved in the club, of course, um, still heavily involved in the club. And what I like about the story of, you know, uh, I suppose the Christie's, uh, in um, an Inverness Caledonian Thistle is you were still involved at the club uh, when the club won the, the Scottish Cup in 2015 another really you know massive moment in the in the history of uh, of Inverness football um, and your son Ryan was was heavily involved a, a key uh, component in that side that um, beat Falkirk back in 2015 and I imagine you know having been heavily involved in not just Cali Thistle, but football in the city, that must have been a you know a, a, an incredibly proud moment for yourself. Oh, incredibly. And you're, you're right. It's in that period. I mean, you, you talk about the Falkirk game. I just thought the Celtic game in the semi-final. To go and play Celtic team that's going for a double at Hamden in the semi-final of the Scottish Cup and, and beat them, and deservedly beat them. Let, let's not beat about the bush. We were not under the cosh at any time in that game. Yes, we got a big break with Josh's handball. We know that. A big, big break at a good time in the game, but you need that. But I thought the, the boys in the Cali Thistle strips that day, and including Ryan, and I'm not one for giving them too much praise, but, you know, I thought Shinny, Christy, Watkins, Tansy, you know, absolutely, for a man, were absolutely superb that day. Um, and, and I just, I honestly didn't see us winning that game, Ian. And then, of course, the final's different because your favourite's staying in the final, but, you know, to, for us to win the Scottish Cup, and what a... What a season that was, and finished third in the league to play in Europe the following season. And, you know, let's not be about the bush, what the club means to me and my history in football in Inverness. But yeah. for my son to play in, in that, it's just, it's incredible. And Ryan realised that too. And then I keep in contact with John Hughes. Ryan Christie keeps in contact with John Hughes because Ryan knows what John did for his career. Um, he changed the way we played, he totally revamped the way Inverness Caledonia Fiscal Football Club played. And for him to get the rewards with a Scottish cap and a third place in the league in Europe, you know, um, it, it's just, it was astounding. It, it really was, you know, cloud cuckoo land at the time. And, and I'm just so proud that my son was part of it. And, and then it led to, obviously, I think, I think that was that Celtic semi-final, to be honest, because I thought Ryan was terrific that day against Izaguiri. And it's amazing because John Hughes spoke to me on the Friday and he says, I'm going to play Ryan right in midfield. I says, what? I don't think he's ever played there, Yogi Yuzak. I'm going to play him against, he's going to play against Izaguiri, Charlie, and I'm going to tell him to come in the park on his left foot because he's left-footed all the time, he says, because Izaguiri is uncomfortable on his right side. And see, when you look back at the highlights here, and I think, how right was Yogi? number of times Ryan gets the ball and comes in the park and Izaguiri doesn't know whether to go with him or stay, and I'm thinking, it was just, a, it was another master stroke by a, a, a top coach, Um but great for the city as well. You, you saw the fans down there, thousands. You saw the response after the Falkirk, the Northern Meeting Park. Uh, it just, you know, um, I, I hate saying it. I don't know how long it'll be before we see it again, because I think we will see it again. But mm-hmm. whether it'll be in my lifetime, I don't know. But just, you know, when you look at where we come from, going to the Devon Vales of this world and 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 in the Highland League, and uh, all of a sudden you're, you're standing there in the podium and Graham Shinney's got the Scotch cap. It was just, it was quite unbelievable. We've mentioned, obviously, we've talked a lot about the past uh, and indeed, you know, the history of, of Inverness, Cali Thistle from 94 onwards as well. Now, Charlie, you've obviously got, as I say, you've still got a role uh, involved. Um, you're still involved with the club. You've still got a role to play, creating and helping develop the, the next line of, of talent and the, and the future heroes uh, for kids and, and, you know, hopefully guys that will go on to play uh, pivotal roles and and getting Cali Thistle back up to the top flight, but beyond as well, uh, that must be a, a, an incredibly satisfying uh, job as well, especially in the last couple of years when you see the likes of Roddy McGregor, uh, Cameron Harper, uh, you know, get involved in the first team. There's many others, of course, that have, that have uh, forgotten as well. That must be incredibly uh, satisfying for you. It is, Ian, absolutely. I mean, it's a challenging job, you know, but it's, it is, and I get frustrated at the job sometimes because I, I sometimes don't think that Highland young Highland players believe, you know, and, and it's great now. And it's, it's interesting because he's my son, but Ryan shows it can be done. I mean, Ryan's played now in a European Championship. He's played, you know, against, you know, European Champions League football. He's now playing in the, the best league in the planet. Um, so it shows it can be done. Um, 
and it's a, he's a great sort of light at the end of the tunnel. He's a great figurehead. Um, it's difficult at times because you're, you know, you're talking about your son, but I, I, I do say to our kids, you've got to believe Highland kids can be good enough. Um, lovely to see Roddy, fabulous player. Calm, he's, done, he's had a terrific season already this season. Um, Daniel Mackay, the same age group, and Daniel got his moving his back on loan, doing great for us. Lewis Hyde came on at half time at the weekend, did very well setting half at Cove. So, and, and we've also got, Ian, I've got five or six boys in the 15s and 16s that I know for a fact, and the under 18s. I watched them um, on Friday, went through in Dingwall, and we've got high hopes for three or four of them. Um, the, the thing is, Ian, they, they need luck. There's luck involved. You need a manager to be brave and to trust in you, you know, a.k.a. Mr. Hughes or Ryan. You need a manager to really show faith in you and to throw down the gauntlet to you. And then it's up to you how you respond. But um, but no, it is really pleasing. As an Indonesian, Ian, I, I'm always a great believer that we're not going to produce dozens upon dozens of them, but I think we can produce top-notch players on a regular basis. But they've got to want it and, and show the right attitude. And, um, and and as I say, they've got to get maybe a break at the right time um, and make the most of it. But uh, it can be done. As, as I like to say, as Ryan has shown, it can be done. And uh, as I say, we have got some real talent in the youth system currently. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said to you off mic as well, you know, I've got a son who's eight years old and uh, enjoying his football. And, and it's always that. Well, you look at the, there's now two uh, players who've uh, come from Inverness playing in the in the top flight in one of the best leagues in the world, uh, and your son and, and Stuart Armstrong as well. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it can be done. Um, Charlie, it's been great uh, talking about uh, some fantastic memories uh, over the last hour or so. Uh, really appreciate your time and uh, and thank you. No problem, man. Nice to speak to you, pal. A massive thank you to Charlie Christie for taking part in episode one. Next week, we'll be speaking to the man who signed Charlie for Caledonian FC and played in his career for three Inverness clubs in the Highland League, none other than Peter Corbett. Thank you very much for listening and see you next time.